Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I'm joined, as always, on Friday by Rich Rebar. We, uh, we don't have... Uh, any games really to talk about. I mean, we could talk about the Super Bowl for 45 minutes, I'm sure, but we'll we'll save that for next week. So, uh, but we want to do a podcast anyways, obviously. So we're just going to kind of bullshit about some of the rookies, going to take a look at a couple uh, things from early ADP. Have you, um, have you done any drafts yet? Have you been in any of these best ball streets yet? Not yet. Uh, I, I've been meaning to and just kind of just, you know, capacity issue. Yeah, we have. Well, I'm very, very familiar with the capacity issues. So I, I've done. There's I've no done, slow ones, right? There are no slow drafts yet, right? No, no. There's well, like two hour clock on okay, on FFPC. Right. Yeah, but and and then uh, underdog. Has underdogs are all fast, right? All all fast. Yeah, okay. uh, which is a cool tournament, and I I have rankings out for those on the site if people want to go check those out. But I have to say. Some of the things from early ADP look really wonky to me. Like if you had to guess right now where Darren Waller is going in FFPC, which is tight end premium, obviously, where do you, where do you think he's going? Uh, front half of the second round. Yeah, he goes, he is tight end three, 15 mm-hmm. overall. But then for whatever reason, there's a huge gap to Mark Andrews. Like I know Mark Andrews was not good last year, but he mm-hmm. projects to do well, obviously. And he goes tight end for 40th overall. Um, and then there Hawkinson and Fant go up high, but there also is this market uncertainty thing where Logan Thomas, Evan Ingram, Kyle Pitts, Robert Tunyon, Irv Smith, Jr. Zach Ertz, all of those guys are going in the top 100 picks because no one knows what's happening at the tight end position right now. And I mean, the Kyle Pitts ADP is um, (laughs) very, very optimistic. Like I would be him getting 50 catches would be like a crazy outcome for his rookie year. Yeah. I mean, Irv Smith would be a guy, I mean, you know, I'd be excited about, I think even maybe even Kaseki still going into that fourth year, you know, kind of seeing what happens. But I think the one guy it stinks because I totally get why you would want to take Travis Kelsey as they say the first non-running back. Is he the first non-running back? Yeah, he goes, he goes three overall on average in 25 drafts ahead of Kamara, ahead of Barkley, ahead of JT, ahead of Derrick Henry. I will say this uh, unequivocally right now on January 29th, uh, that there's no way that Travis Kelsey in 2021 returns the same positional same value this year there's just no way i mean no way it's the he had the largest differential to the tight end two in a season since 2013 uh and then also we've been talking about this on uh the podcast i do with the guys at sharp angles but uh so this year the chiefs face two high safeties the most of any team in the nfl this season and it just really unlocked an already great player travis kelsey was already a great player but the the fact that they face so much two high safeties this year really what is what ballooned him into having like an all-time tight end season so the replication of that plus with the his gap that he had to the field it was really just darren waller and his gap over darren waller was even 
way larger until Darren Waller had that nice surge like the last five weeks. He was like dusting Darren Waller for like 11 weeks. And then Darren Waller had like a 13 for 200. Darren Waller caught fire towards the end and still got smoked. Um, but I will say there's no way that in 2020, and it hurts to say, because I think I don't, that's not me saying Travis Kelsey is a bad draft pick and you shouldn't take him, especially in FFPC formats, but the field is going to be closer to him next year than it was this year. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's just like the, that's just the way of the world, right? Like <laughs> just guys, guys do not, um, keep on that clip of production forever. Guys regress a little bit, but more importantly, Travis Kelsey is going to turn 32. He's never been middle- hurt. Never been hurt. Yeah. And, since and, that, and that knee surgery. Yeah. And he had that micro fracture, that, that knee surgery. And I, I do, I just wonder, you know, like what long-term. You, if, thing, if, if you brick that pick, like people that bricked Kittle this year in the second round, that is a far larger miss than bricking a running back because of the cause and effect of, if you take a 10 and high, you're constant, you're, you are now chasing running back and wide receiver throughout that yeah. opening portion of the draft. Now, if you hit on that pick, it does provide that leverage like Kelsey did. But if you miss on that pick, it's a lot larger of a miss because of what you have to subsequently chase uh, in building your roster. Yeah. And you, you will not, you will not find per game production that is anywhere close to that. Whereas like when you're filling in running back slots, just like, so you, you get like, you get the one week where, Oh, you know, I'm missing Dalvin cook for four weeks, but I pick up uh, JD McKissick, who's randomly starting one week for the Washington football team. Or I I pick up uh, Dion uh, Devante Booker for the Raiders. Like you can get our team. Yeah, we we literally we, we literally did this. Yeah, we we lost Eckler, but we spent well. I mean, we spent on Boston Scott. We spent on Duke Johnson. We we spent running yeah, back. We, we caught like two weeks of Jarek McKinnon. It was yeah, <laughs> yeah. We we and and so it is a little bit different in the context of how you're replacing that production because mm-hmm. there there will not be a tight end injury that causes there to be another great fill in tight end the way that there is with. Um, the way that there is with running back is just because right. of the nature of the position. Uh, now, where do you stand on the idea that the zero RB rubber band is going to snap back? Cause 2020 was just, it was the year to not draft any mid round running backs only. And even the early round running backs, like half of them busted too. Uh, like even guys that you would think of as being like small wins, like Aaron Jones, like Aaron Jones, wasn't a league winner. He, he was fine, but even though he did, he missed some time obviously, but like, I, I think there's probably going to be this reactionary response to make zero RB more popular, but maybe it's not as strong of a strategy because it just hit so perfectly in 2021 or 2020 rather. Yeah. And there was a lot of things that, well, first of all, the mid round running back thing is not just the last year thing. That's like, you know, that, that has more of a backbone to show like that's a trap area for running backs. Like when yeah. you clear that first wave of, running backs and you start to roster fill guys just the next guys down the line that you're better off just waiting that's not something that was just the last year thing uh that area no no i mean that's that's always true (laughs) right so i mean uh you know the the catch 22 with fantasy football and the you know the the ever-evolving diatribe that is zero rv versus the the people that don't believe you can win with it is just the the no matter what has happened with it and you can still win with it the the nothing has changed the fact that elite running backs are still the most important aspect in terms of fantasy leverage and that was still true this year too uh and that's that's part of the reason why those running backs and the mid rounds that we talk about are so bad because 
that area for wide receivers keeps it consistently backfills like the next year. So like yeah. DK Metcalf was in that he's going to climb up, but then you're going to have like Chase Claypool climb up and like it just completely backfills as running back doesn't. Um, and, you know, uh, but the, the, you know, the, the bastard of it all is that you got to have elite running backs and typically it's pay to play. And this year it was still pay to play. Like the good running backs in terms of weekly positional leverage, like outside of like hitting uh, a moonshot on, you know, a James Robinson that you ran into, but like all those other guys were high draft picks still everyone up there was still yep. high draft picks. Uh, it, it was just more fragmented this year because there was guys that missed sections of the season. Uh, you know, the Nick Chubbs, the Ecklers, uh, you know, Dalvin Cook missed a couple games. Uh, you know, th- those guys were in and out of the lineup a little bit, but if you look at a point per game basis, they were still the top guys you to pay for them. Uh, and that will probably still be the case. It's something that, like I said, just, just goes beyond a 2020 result base. So if you just go on through history, the, the top running backs you got, but you got to pay for them. Uh, and that's w- what you get. Um, you know, the most thing that you think people get wrong about zero RB and, you know, I'm not, I want to step on Sean shoes, the, the creator of it was that it's, you, you know, the, the, the part that always bothers me is the part that doesn't have anything to do with running backs at all is that you're taking the position that, you know, you need the most roster allocation to because most leagues are start three. Uh, unless you're on ESPN or FFPC. And if you add a flex and multiple flexes, then you're adding more players needed to cover bye weeks injuries and natural, you know, roster allotment. Uh, And then the fact that you're just going to get some picks wrong too, and that you are drafting these wide receivers because of all those reasons. uh, And you're taking away that supply of receivers from your competition as well. Uh, You know, it's the part that doesn't have really anything to do with running backs with that part, you know, everyone gloms onto the, I'm, you're just waiting on running backs you're waiting on running backs but it's you know the the element of actually you know taking away the supply and demand at a position that you're going to use your supreme roster allotment on even if you are taking running backs highly you're still going to use more roster allocation on wide receivers uh, and then taking that away for your opponents as well that that, that that aspect of it never gets enough burn uh in the holy war that is the zero rp you know uh, crusade no no it uh it doesn't so <laughs> Um, okay. What are you doing with, uh, our guy, James Robinson? Uh, you know, if you like, for example, if you were one of the lucky people to pick up James Robinson for free in dynasty last year, what are your, what are your thoughts on what to do with James Robinson? Oh, I mean, he's, he's going to be a guy that, uh, in redraft, I won't draft at all just on principle. Uh, you know, and it, it's not even going over the small sample of the guys that have popped in his range, whether we say Thomas Rawls or, you know, uh, Philip Lindsay or going down that boat of uh, Dominic Rhodes or, uh, it was Dominic Rhodes, the right Colts guy. I can't even remember. It was one of those Colts guys that filled in that year that was undrafted and popped and then did it. Uh, it's really just the same thing with, and David Montgomery's in the same boat. It's the usage factor. That's the part that's not replicable. Uh, for James Robinson like he's just not gonna have 90% of his backfield touches like that's not something running backs do year over year same thing with David Montgomery it's not me saying I don't even need to look at and, and prop anything up because the whole thing's to me about David Montgomery's strength of schedule towards the end of the season I'm just gonna look at the brass tacks that David Montgomery had 92% of his backfield touches and say that's not happening again uh, <laughs> and bet against that at that price and that's how I'm gonna bet against James Robinson it's nothing really against the the player, what he did, or this small sample of history of undrafted, you know, running backs. I'm just literally looking at his production share or opportunity share and saying that that's just not replicable on any level. Uh, you know, it, it really, the only guy that's done it is Christian McCaffrey and that highly. Um, and I do not believe that that's going to be the case for James Robinson. So in that case of James Robinson and Dave Montgomery, now in Dynasty, it's a little trickier because he's a free square. You spend a fourth round rookie pick on him or you grab him off waivers. 
those picks, the hit rate on those picks is very minimal at best. Like even like, uh, you know, it's the, what it's the Dogecoin of, uh, stocks. It's lit- like, uh, yeah, it's literally, it's literally, yeah. You, you had this, you had this asset for absolutely free. Other people are interested in buying it. There's vi- like, sure. You could hold to try and, and take the moonshot, but it does probably make more sense to just take the profits if they're there. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of where you are. And I get some people are on the other fence of that too, because he plays running back and you're saying, well, I, even if I lose, if I get caught holding the bag on James Robinson in year two, wasn't, didn't I still win? Cause I had the one year, but it's, it's always one of those things. What do you move it? Cause it's a, it's a piece you can use to, to square up. He's probably a guy you can't sell on his own though. Most it's fantasy has changed over the years. Like taking a guy like that is a little more transparent and offering him in trades to people. He'd yeah. be a guy. I think you pair with someone else and slide him in as like a, a, a chip to say, yeah, well, this could go either way, but here's a little sweetener for something. I think that's the I, way to do it. You don't, you just don't take James Robinson and use, like I said, the transparent window and say, offer him for josh jacobs or whatever wide receiver that you like that didn't hit this year uh you know people are going to see through that shit yeah yeah that's uh that's that's a good point yeah people are people are gonna know people are gonna know what you're doing um i don't i don't own james robinson in any leagues because i i was uh i i I was, I just picked up Ozigbo in those dynasty leagues, which, you know, obviously like that feels stupid uh, looking back, knowing what we know about, you know, what, obviously what happened for our dude, James Robinson. But I, I just feel, uh, I feel like a lot of him. You do. So he was, well, you can check this out at sharp football analysis. He was the, my models running back six. Yep. Yeah. JJ's JJ stuff loved him too. And I was taking him in so many leagues before the actual draft that I could show you this receipt from Scott Barrett DMing me. What's the story on James Robinson? I kept using my fourth round pick on him just at every, basically every draft. Yeah. And I just kept saying, he's just shitty Terrence West. You know, just tell people he's A's. It's like, you're just a cheap Terrence West. That's not a second rounder. And uh, I never, you know, imagined he would hit or something, but just my, it was basically my model loved him. So I just took some shots on him and I ran into him on super luck. He was even drafted. So, I mean, it's not like I thought he was going to hit. It was just my model liked him. So I used a, a worthless pick on him. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's see what else here is interesting. Okay. Jonathan Taylor, does he deserve to be one of these alpha running backs? You know, he's being drafted on average ahead of Derrick Henry in these FFPC leagues. My first inclination is yes, that, that he absolutely is worth it. Even with Naheem Hines there, um, let's say they bring in Stafford. Maybe it won't be Stafford, but they will bring in some good quarterback. Like they're like I would say that you have a 50-50 probability of the Colts quarterback play being better in 2021 than it was in 2020, or at least similar, right? At least similar to year like career end uh Phillip Rivers. And with you you take Jordan Wilkins touches down to zero. I still think you can leave Naheem Hines touches there and Taylor is still fine. Yeah, I'm on uh, this to say yes, too, for a couple of reasons. But one, just he was one of the cleanest running back prospects to come in to the to the league, uh, you know, from an, from not only an objective stance, but real NFL teams invested into him too. the top 30. They traded up for to make him a top 40 pick, which probably if we use like uh, error adjustment would be like what a, a top 20 pick in reality. Um, you know, given the how running backs have been depressed a little bit in the market. But uh, even if he didn't have that late, like say those last five games, 
he answered the only blemish that people kind of had for him was can he catch the ball and can he use the passing game and he answered that that was like the weirdest thing is he was he was busting while also like kind of you know proving that he was completely fine as pass catcher uh and then he had like the blow up spot so i mean just based on adding up you know what he was as a prospect answering those questions and then showing he still has the you know the capability of him to have those high ceilings i think so and then when you just talk about the running back arc you know career arc where he's at you know being uh what he'll be 25 years old next year um or he was no no wait he'll be way younger than that right or no he was what a 23 year old rookie i might be wrong um i'm trying to think of what he came out because he came out as a junior um trying to think of his age but yeah i mean you know you can compare him to a guy like derrick henry who's going to be 28 and is coming off of what 800 touches the last 16 yeah, months like like i mean, <laughs> I mean maybe more like just the most absurd <laughs> workload you could even like imagine Kelsey, and he's another guy like Kelsey who has had a really fortunate run and even more fortunate than Kelsey at his position because Derrick Henry has missed one career game due to injury. Yep. I mean, he's really been, he's had, he's had this super hot run or just even the, the, we've seen it with McCaffrey. You don't even have to, it's not even a touch count thing. It's literally just a, a running back thing. Like if you, you running back just get hurt at a higher rate. So for him, uh, I mean, he'll be a guy too. I think we'll, we'll go back and forth on. I mean, I do, he definitely is a unicorn. I think we've all established that at this point. Uh, but he, there's going to be another mountain of strong objective reason to kind of not be in on Derrick Henry again next year. Yeah. Well, so, but what, to be wrong again. <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully, uh, hopefully Silva is sitting there with us in the draft room next year and makes us take Derrick Henry. Um, so that'll be my one, you know, that'll be my main well, exposure to Derrick Henry. Also, you, so the thing about Derrick Henry is, and some of it's hindsight based this take maybe perhaps, but I think where Derrick Henry actually fell in drafts last year, there was a strong reason why to take him. I think he fell into an area where there was a lot of upside guys going around him that we were drafting based on upside, but not safety. And he had that safety built in. Whereas now Derrick Henry is going to be elevated to being like a top five guy, top four guy. And, you know, he's going to now be pushed up. Just just that half round difference makes a big deal. Cause you're talking about our conversation at that time was, or do we take Derrick Henry or Miles Sanders? Now it's going to be, do you take Derrick Henry or Saquon Barkley? You know, yeah. now do you take that? And that, I feel like that uh, part of the conversation is different than where it was last year. Uh, and, and Evan's part of the conversation was right because Derrick Henry had the upside and had the safety built in where we were kind of like, well, Miles Sanders, if he does pop, could be this, but he didn't have that, you know, safety yeah. net. Uh, whereas, you know, uh, next year he's going to be up with the Dalvin Cooks, the guys that catch 60 balls, uh, you know, per game, uh, per season, uh, and won't be, you know, in that area where we're just taking these guys of super low floors as well. Right. So I, I will say this, and this is going to come, this is going to be a, an old takes exposed for me. I am not taking Stefan Diggs in the first round of, oh, of God, no. fantasy drafts. Um, and that's where he go. he's going ahead of Hopkins. He's going ahead of Metcalf. He's going ahead of Slant Boy, going ahead of Justin Jefferson. I I love Steph Diggs. I love, I mean, you and I, we've talked about it on this show all year long. We love what the Bills are doing holistically. But I do think if I was going to look at one of these wide receivers and see who trims back to 90 receptions, 1,200 yards, and seven touchdowns, Diggs seems like the most obvious candidate there. Whereas, I mean, Hopkins is going to get 160 targets again. Metcalf, Metcalf, if I had to bet on one wide receiver to score 20 touchdowns, 
is it pro- is it Metcalf probably the most likely one to have the Randy Moss season? I I mean it's Adams because he has no competition for targets whatsoever. But other, I guess other than Adams, I would honestly say it's Metcalf. Yeah, I was on a podcast with Curtis Patrick and Ryan McDowell uh, in the summertime and thought you know the same. My take was that if you're going to bet a long shot to to lead the league in rece- touchdown receptions last year, it was Metcalf. Uh, so he's just yep. that kind of guy, uh, you know, you can win with physicality wins downfield. I mean, he's, you know, he's like Mike Evans on steroids, man. Like, uh, just the way he, the way he gets over, uh, and then he's, if he just continuously keeps adding to his game, cause, it, um, you look at like his heat map where he got targets as a rookie to this year. And it's so night and day, uh, the, the, the jump he was able to make just in year two. And if that was something that continues, uh, you know, he's, there's really no ceiling limitations on him. And he's probably going to get another five to six years with Ross uh, before yep. Russ goes. Uh, so, I mean, as a dynasty, you know, investment, he's about as safe as, as safe as it comes uh, because he's going to be the alpha guy. I think what's interesting is that, you know, as we talked about it a little bit about Claypool is, you know, teams always kind of look for, the guys like DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett had similar ADPs last year, but yep. they got, when they're on the same team, like teams typically will eventually swerve to the DK, guy like DK Metcalf the leading their yep. receiver unit. And, you know, maybe in a situation like Pittsburgh, because they've elevated so many short guys and smaller yeah. guys so long in that system, maybe Claypool doesn't jump Deontay in year two. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, you definitely bet on that archetype when it's two guys with similar ADPs, Bet on that guy, you know, kind of, you know, taking the reins uh, beforehand before it gets out of whack. Uh, and that was a good bet to take Metcalf over Lockett, even though, you know, using the most recent bias, you would say, well, Lockett's got this efficiency going for him. He's already the lead target, but, you know, he got leapfrogged supremely this year. It, it took like four weeks for it to happen. Yeah. And Lockett is himself a pretty interesting ADP T. question. Is that guy too. Where's T. Yeah. Higgins going in those drafts? T Higgins, he is a guy that the market has adjusted for. T Higgins goes wide receiver 21, 52 overall, and Boyd goes wide receiver 34, 82 overall. So the market has adjusted there. Um, Lockett is pretty interesting, though. He finishes wide receiver eight, mostly on the back of two games. Like he, he, he turned on a little bit towards the end. Uh, like he, he targeted, he was out, he out targeted mm-hmm. Metcalf over their final five games, I think. But this actually seems to me a place where like the market has actually responded to this really intelligently by just being like Tyler Lockett's moonshot has, has came and went. And now he is just going to be a possession wide receiver in an offense that doesn't throw as much. For example, he goes after Deontay Johnson and after Robert Woods on, on average, um, which seems right. It, which mm-hmm. seems like actually, whereas I, I assume like four years ago in fantasy football, Lockett would be going in the third round. I think after the season he just had. Yeah, most people I think have gotten uh, you know on board with understanding season-long points are not the answer. Uh, <laughs> whereas you know that wasn't the case. You know, when we all first started doing this. You know, a lot of people would just look at bulk production and kind of attach themselves to that and let that really dictate where guys would go. People saying, "Well, he was wide receiver eight, so even with some regression, we'll have him the wide receiver 15, You know, <laughs> something like that. Uh, where it's people have definitely adjusted to that part of it. Yeah. I was definitely interested in Higgins. Higgins still might be good at wide receiver 21. <laughs> yeah, he, he might be. I mean, it depends on like what, I mean, 
do you think that Burrow can have a Mahomesian impact on not like let even say let's say let's say a Josh Allen style impact on their offense where where he uh boosts he is the he is the tide that rises all ships and that his number one wide receiver is uh, not only can he sustain a top 12 wide receiver, but he can also sustain the wide receiver 19 in addition to that. I, I kind of think, yes, I I was a Joe Burrow skeptic heading into 2020. Like I thought he was going to be good, but I thought that there was some chance like, you know, he was an older prospect. He was 24 mm-hmm. at the start of last year One and everything. Year One year, all of that. But I, I'll, every concern I have about Joe Burrow is gone. Like, like for example, this will be a common thing this off season debating the dynasty value between Burrow and Lawrence and stuff like that. Like to me, Burrow is already like the 11th best quarterback in football. Like he, he is incredible to me. I think he is. I, I have no concerns over his long-term ability, even with the injury and everything. Yeah. We just, we just need him to start investing in offensive linemen. Uh, so he doesn't take that beating that he took, uh, you know, year one, but yeah, I mean, I'm there. I mean, T Higgins is definitely one of the guys I've earmarked uh, as early on to kind of be it, try to get like ahead of on. Yeah. Uh, okay. Where do you think Juju Smith Schuster is playing? Where do you think he's plying his trade? I, I think it's, one of the two AFC East teams that are in desperate need of a wide receiver one. I think it's Miami or I think it's the jets. And I think whoever gets to Sean Watson should either sign Smith Schuster or Allen Robinson to uh, the, the blank check contract. That is, that is my current opinion. Yeah. So I can actually show you too. I was in a DM thread with JJ and Denny earlier, and we were talking about how we didn't want Allen Robinson to go to the Ravens. And my take was the jets should just trade for Watson and, and, and get Allen Robinson so that we would just pair him up. And then we don't have, we don't have to worry about Allen Robinson gets his quarterback and he goes to a spot where he's just got all the targets in the world available to him. Uh, that, that would be the dream, man. Uh, so for any player, so whether you take any, just pick your wide receiver for agent of choice uh, and apply that same thing, whether it's Allen Robinson, you're a Juju guy. Uh, yeah. We want like it to be like the jets of the dolphins to get Watson and them to just say, yeah, here's our, here's the guy that's going to go with him. Uh, that would but be what about ideal. both of them? What about both of them? I mean, you know, this the the salary cap is fake, anyways. Both. Yeah, I don't know it would be incredible. <laughs> Imagine if the Jets' offense next year what went from being the the total chaos that it was this last year to Deshaun Watson, Allen Robinson, Jamison Crowder, Denzel Mims. Like that's sick. That is a a sick grouping of uh, of skill position players. Like to me, in these early drafts. Smith Schuster does look like the value because he's being drafted like the guy who played his role last year. But I think mm-hmm. it's like three percent that he goes back to the Steelers. Like I, I just think they're done with him for oh yeah he's not whatever reason. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would even. Yeah, probably say yeah, definitely single digit percentile. And then also just think about what that. I actually thought it, from a play standpoint, Juju was fine last year. Actually, mm-hmm. uh, just you look at that system, what it did. I mean, well, what he had a career high catch rate because the A dot career low A dot, but eight point six yards per catch uh, because of what that offense did to her, did to him, man. Like, but uh, you know, you get him in a spot where he plays with a little better quarterback play, a little more downfield targets. I actually think he was fine on the field. I don't think he anything like uh, anything play wise 
there, like, there was anything play-wise that was an issue for Juju last year for like as it pertains to fantasy. It was strictly how he was used in the construct of that offense. And I even think the same thing for like even Deontay Johnson. I mean, Deontay Johnson basically cloned a Jarvis Landry season because of how he was used, but also people will get locked on to those efficiency targets. And a lot of people have already dropped. Well, you know, he's had this X amount of yards based on many targets in the history of the NFL, but all those targets still happened and Deontay Johnson still got open a ton. Uh, that's all I really care about, uh, to be honest. Like it's the same thing with we used to do with Jarvis Landry. Like all we care about is that you're getting targets and he's getting open. I yards per target is just not something I'm going to fully invest into and let that really kind of be something that gets in my way. And if people want to use yards per target as something that got that like Juju continued to decline again as a real life NFL player, uh, by all means go for it. But I don't believe that was the case by any measure. Yeah, I'm. I'm with you. I'm well. I'm with you to some extent. My thing well, I don't is, think he's like, ever gonna be a wide receiver like a the like top five wide receiver like people were thinking he could have been. I don't think that's gonna happen either, though. Yeah, I don't think that's gonna happen, and that is why I think the marsh. I think the market is being a little irrationally exuberant on Deontay Johnson, for example, Claypool wide receiver twenty six, Deontay Johnson wide receiver twenty two. I would take Claypool in like the fourth round. Like I, I would do the, I would do the Seattle thing from last year where I take Metcalf mm-hmm. a round ahead of Lockett, and I, I think the market will be the reverse Same. of that. Yeah. Uh, another another situation very similar. Brandon Ayuk versus Debo Samuel. Ayuk going wide receiver 27. Debo going wide receiver 37. Um, and this is just a response like we saw Ayuk kicking ass most recently. But it would not surprise me at all if the 49ers organization views Debo as the one and Ayuk as the two. And Samuel's going to be cheap to acquire. Well, they view George Kittle as the one. Yes. Which, yeah. That's who true. wasn't on the field. That's the one thing. It, so Ayuk's season was obviously a, a huge pro, uh, but also all of his production came with one of those guys being hurt or both. Uh, yes. So, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, 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 so it, while it was a huge pro, there are still question marks of how it all, all these pieces fit together. Um, then we also have to see how this quarterback situation, it, it looks like they're already heavily rumored in to be on, on the Stafford, uh, you know, situation. Uh, so, I mean, if they go, Stafford is probably, I'd say, I don't know if he's a super upgrade for fantasy over Garoppolo, but they, I feel like they're going to be more willing to throw the football with Matthew Stafford. A lot he, he, is, he, he is an upgrade, I think, for fantasy over Garoppolo because he will throw deep balls more often. Like Garoppolo just did not really take shots, you know, and, and you need that, that stuff for fantasy. To throw. Like they'll just be more willing to, to not have these games where they only throw 20 times. Right. Yeah. Which but is, I, again, a huge part of what Stafford. we're trying to do but I don't think it'll help Stafford's fantasy stock a lot. And I just think he's probably stuck like that anyways, because of the new wave of quarterbacks, he just doesn't face a pocket passer. Uh, and he's just screwed on that boat. You know, those guys are just going to have to like really have like an apex season to get over now uh, outside of just being streamable commodities or like high QB twos. Um, but yeah, I mean, my thing with Ayuk is just looking at it from all his production came with either one of those guys out or both out. I still believe that they view, they want to run that offense through Kittle Debo is just tricky in totality because I think he needs to be what what'd you say he was wide receiver what 37 okay no that's yeah that's totally palatable because you're getting him at a bench slot basically and if you're going wide receiver heavy to open the draft you're probably getting him in as a wide receiver four or five yeah you won't have to start him 
and you want to start him because like the biggest thing with Debo is like this dude just has like a laundry list of like of injuries. I mean, he's just picked up a number of things that were it's just not all fluke oriented, <laughs> right? Um, and it's and you can tell by the way he plays too. It's easy to just watch Debo Samuel play and be like, yeah, that dude gets hurt a lot, like <laughs> right? Because uh, he's a monster, man. He's he's like he. I mean, he is. He's, he's a demon uh, <laughs> and doesn't care. Um, and that's the just the, the physicality of his game is what makes him good. Uh, but I think that that's pretty good. I, I think that pricing. Because if you run into that season where you run hot and he plays 15 games and he plays 14 games, you'll be really happy with the results there. Yeah, for sure. Ayuk's uh, going ahead of of Higgins. Then is what you're telling me. Uh, no, Ayuk is going. Uh, here, let me look at it. Okay. Higgins, wide receiver 21, Ayuk, wide oh, receiver 27, but they go in the same round. Uh, okay. the, He's going after Claypool, though, or right at Claypool, him and Claypool yeah. together. The market is also undecided on what to do with the Buccaneers wide receivers because Godwin goes wide receiver 12 and Mike Evans goes wide receiver 13. So they're going like basically back to back. Uh, but both in the third round, like both of them are going behind David Montgomery. Both of them are going behind Joe Mixon, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, those guys. Here, here's an interesting one. David Montgomery, like literally the workhorsest of workhorse, like 90% of the running back carries over the second half of the season. I mean, you just have to fade that workload, but if he gets that workload again, that will be a, 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 a W for the, the robust RB drafters. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the biggest thing that's the easy, the easiest thing to just latch onto for David Montgomery is just look at his route involvement with post Tariq Cohen's injury and before. It's really yep. easy to just look at his route per dropbacks. And, and Tariq Cohen is a guy they signed to a contract extension the year prior. So a long like, contract, yeah. So it's not like he's like in and out. Like, so if Cohen's back, I mean, it's really easy because what does Cohen do? He's not going to threaten any running back uh, carries, but what does he do? He's a specialist. Yeah, and he's going to be back in that role, and that's what's easy. That's the easy part to to kind of to nix that opportunity for him. Whereas James Robinson will probably have to poke a few more holes into what they do, uh, or just blind bet that he's not going to get that workload. But it's really easy for the Bears situation to say they already have this built-in specialist they signed. He's going to be back in that role. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, who else here? Oh, do you have any strong opinions on these incoming? quarterbacks like are you are you big i i assume that we're both big trey lance guys oh yeah yeah i know uh, what about what about fields I'm the, yeah I'm, I'm in on the top four guys all together because they're all they all fit what we look for the dual threat yeah remember it used to be the konami code was hey the rushing production's undervalued these guys have safe floors and then it evolved into just natural human development and probably it was you know a little more rapidly than we even thought it might happen that oh just better athletes are naturally playing the position because you just have guys now that are yep. like even Mahomes like doesn't it's not like he's out here rushing for like a zillion yards but he has that in his pocket he's adding 40 50 rushing points per season onto his fantasy totals which is basically 10 extra passing touchdowns you know 10 to 12 extra passing touchdowns and all four of those guys Zach Wilson included with Trey Lance Fields and Lawrence they all have that ability so they all have the passing upside they have the passing ability plus the rushing upside none of these guys are just runners uh so if it all comes together like they have that mountaintop to, to get there to be involved with that top tier group that we weren't the only people saying to invest in it but that was the tier you had to get in on this year i mean it's rendered it's it isn't like you can still late round quarterback you still can but it's made it harder for those it's made it harder to do for those guys they've impacted and then it impacted the dfs world supremely this year because you couldn't really do that in dfs this year pay down at quarterback which was a staple for years in dfs 
of paying yep. down at quarterback. It was a lot harder to do this year because those guys that were the apex predators uh, were dropping thirties and you, your 20 wasn't worth as much. When you, when you, when you streamed Phillip rivers, your 20 just wasn't get cover as much ground as it used to. Uh, so, I mean, those guys were getting more of those guys in the field. So, I mean, I'm going to be uh, in on all those guys, basically. They all, and they all check out too objectively. So, and they're all going to go in the top 10 probably. I mean, Trey Lance, 26 touchdowns, zero interceptions as a 19 year old. And he's going to be, yeah. And he's going to be 20 when he gets drafted. Like this is absurd stuff. Like I, I, I don't even know who a good comp. I don't even remember a 20 year old quarterback being a, a number three overall pick in a long time or oh, wherever he, I mean, he, he goes. He broke my production model just because, and obviously he didn't play this year. So, I mean, there's some of that going on, but he basically broke my production model because of that season where he threw, he threw 28 touchdowns, no interceptions. <laughs> and it's like, geez, he just, yeah, he totally broke it. And even with accounting for the strength of schedule. Uh, so, I mean, we're in like kind of uncharted territory to kind of figure out, but I mean, yeah, how could you not? How can you not be excited to see what? Just to see what could happen. I mean, he's a quarterback too. Like these guys can bust, but uh, the ceiling is definitely there. Yeah, the ceiling. The ceiling is insane. I'm. I'm very excited to see Especially all these guys. From an NFL context, we just go back three years ago when people let Watson and Mahomes just get to ten and twelve, respectively. Like yep. I don't think you can let those guys that have that in their range outcomes, even if you miss. So what? Like, yeah, who cares? But it's just it's worth too much uh, to gamble on, you know, uh, to to take to take that upside because it's franchise altering if you could do it, unless you're the Texans and can completely ruin everything else around the situation. But right, uh. yeah, it's like well, well, good good job Texans, you you did. Did you, you watch did a great any job. of the at uh, DeAndre Hopkins uh, Jalen Ramsey versus? No, uh, was it cool? Oh yeah, it was fun. But uh, Hopkins kept referring to his highlights in the show. He just came. Here's he's like he he kept referring to Deshaun Watson as ex Texan. Every he's like, he's like another ex Texan throwing to throwing to me here. Uh, and then he dogged our, our boy Streveler uh, when they watched a highlight of him getting boxed by Jalen Ramsey. And uh, Hopkins was like, "Hey man, my quarterback was playing rugby in Canada the week before." <laughs> 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 It was died, dude. It was it was actually pretty fun. Like Hopkins was he was up for it. He was he was dropping bombs on people. Yeah. Well, I mean that's his that's uh that's his bit. He uh he loves to do that. Uh okay, Devonta Smith. Where where are you at? What are we doing? What are we doing with the the undersized, underweight senior season production? Devonta Smith. Uh I I mean Five years ago, six years ago, our Rotovisian days, uh, this would be a situation where we probably would have been like, no way. Right. Uh, but you look at his 2019. To me, I can even don't have to really go to last year. His 2019 season was what stands out to me because he played along two players that were drafted in the top 15 and completely smoked those dudes. Yeah. Uh, he, I mean, he outproduced both Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy by a significant margin in 2019. And that's the part that stands out to me. Not this past season where he just went bonkers and won the Heisman. Uh, the 2019 season is what stands out to me. Uh, but I still have a couple of guys I think that are just better bets uh, for long term. Like I think Rashad Bateman is the best bet to make in this draft class. Yeah, Corain um, Corain said the same thing. He said he I, said Bateman is the guy. He's on pretty heavy. Yeah, so Bateman is my wide receiver two right now, and I think I can make a case for him to be my wide receiver one. I just did a two round mock draft with the. Uh, fake footballers, uh, fancy footballers. And uh, Bateman went 11 overall. And I was like thinking in myself, like I need to trade for a bunch of late round first picks now, if this is the case. Um, 
And, you know, I'm sure he'll get the movement, but Bateman proved that he can win inside and out. He basically strictly played slot this year uh, and played outside the year before. He was top 10 in yards per team target both years. Uh, yards per out run as a freshman, he was super high. He just is it for me. He's got that basketball background. When you watch him, even if we take to the you see him part. Uh, you see just, him, bro? He, he's smoke dude. He's, he's great at the line of scrimmage. His releases are all unique and different. He gets off of press because that's the one thing people have with Chase is that, you know, he has more of a – he gets hit, all his releases are with his feet, like Devonte Adams. He lets people get it on his chest. That's like what the the and it's true they do that. But it looks like I think the LSU they teach that there a little bit because all the LSU guys kind of do it. Um, but Bateman looks like the safest bet to me to make, and he's got he just has the he's played everywhere. He's got the size profile. He's got the production profile. Uh, to me, he's the guy. I am not down on Smith though, like by any means. He's right now I'm looking like he's going to be my wide receiver three, which means I probably won't get him. But uh, I think that his 2019 season is what people should be focused on more than his past season uh, in terms of production. Yeah, well, uh, it's not. I, that's not even an argument I've heard people make, which is sort of interesting. Um, okay, so Etn or Najee, who rates better in your stuff? Uh, Etn does just because the all he basically looks like Alvin Kamara, but uh, I'm still in on Najee too because the not even just chasing the unicorn factory, dude's just a monster and he can catch. He's not like Derrick Henry where we have this question mark. Now, will an NFL staff do that? Because you have a guy that's built like Najee, NFL staffs tend to do dumb things, right? Based on just archetypes, we've seen it a dozen times. A dozen, yeah. Uh, I mean, a million, but more, times. more than that. So a team can probably get in and they take Najee and they say, well, we need to pair him with. Uh, some little dude or a Cohen type, and that's going to be – he's going to come off the field and passing downs. Now, that can still happen. And we still might even right. see that happen with Jonathan Taylor in the future. We still know. I mean, they're still – that team's invested into Hines probably. Watch Naheem Hines get that Cohen extension. Uh, I think he probably it, will. I think he probably will. Of, that never-ending kind of thorn on our side. Uh, but I'm not – Najee is a, is a smoke show too. He looks great. Uh, Jamar Jefferson looks amazing in my, you know, my, he's, he checks out too. So what I do always is I start with the qualitative. I'm, I don't watch a lot of these guys in season. I just don't have the capacity. I'm doing so much NFL content. I'm yeah. betting on college football and I might watch a game cause I bet on it. Uh, but outside of like these primo guys that I don't, you know, I haven't got to watch all these guys. So I'm starting with the quality first, looking who stands out and then going back and, you know, kind of watching some of those guys. So I've been watching Jamar Jefferson and I mean, the, that dude, but he looked, We'll have to see where he goes because it's running backs. He could go anywhere from what the second round to the fifth round, based to the on, fifth round, right? Yeah, so we'll have to see, but he definitely checks out for me in the running back position. But to me, it's two horses. It's it's Etienne, it's Najee. Uh, Javante Williams looks nice. I like what I see, but one year production, split backfield, split backfield. A, That's the weirdest part. Is is Michael Will or Michael Carter was basically just as good as him, just scored less touchdowns. Mm -hmm. And, and it's not like Javante was good either, like before, and like was had all his production and then they split. Like he kind of, they, they kind of broke out together in a sense. Uh, Carter is the better receiver to the other guys, but I mean, missed tackle machine, Javante Williams. Uh, but I think he has a little more red flags than people say. I've seen him, him like mentioned this, like in the big three with those guys. I think it's a clear Harris at the end grouping and then it's a gap. And I think, you know, Jamar Jefferson's in that group with uh, Javante Williams as well. Yeah, I yeah. And it, you see, with running backs, I just care like what's the investment on these guys and what's the opportunity. Yeah, where where do they go? How high do they get drafted? Yeah, that's really all that. <laughs> like Ceh went from being uh, back end of the first round guy to the number one overall in a mm -hmm. lot of drafts based on uh, based on where he went, which is basically what we're basically what we're gonna see. Um, 
with these guys. All right, a couple back to back to um, redraft ADP. Uh, Jerry Judy, our guy, not going to be the wide receiver one next year. Probably even has an outside chance of being the number three there with Fant out targeting him, but he is pretty cheap. The wide receiver 40, 96 overall right now, that would be a spot because I don't think it's impossible that he outproduces Cortland Sutton or out targets him. Absolutely not. And Sutton will be in a kind of make or break year off of an injury. They'll have to decide whether they want to, uh, you know, extend him the following year. He'll be in his final year as rookie contract. Um, we need the quarterback situation improved. I mean, you look at Judy catchable target rate. He was bottom five uh, of all qualifying receivers. That's where we need to improve. Uh, he did have the one game where it was self-induced against the Chargers at the end of the season, but I would be more than happy to at least bet there. It's really low leverage. You're talking depending on how yeah. you draft. That's a bench wide receiver spot. If you're drafting wide receiver heavy, it's even a it's not even a bench wide receiver you're counting on to hit. Why would you not just uh, bet on the pedigree and see what happens? The other guy that people are excited about there, KJ Hamler, I think he's a clear dynasty sell. Um, so I, I go the other way. I think he's a buy. Be, well, really? depending on what the price is. Now, if someone's being like, I need a, I need a rookie second see, and a yeah, quarterback. Okay. Yeah. But like, if you can get him like, for example, or, or if you can ship off like a disappointing guy from the draft two years ago, or even like a third, I think I would pay for KJ Hamler. Cause I just so clearly see what his skill set is. He's the, he's the jet motion guy. He's the, he's the pop pass guy. And if Denver gets, Jameis if Denver gets Stafford if Denver trades up in the draft to get a quarterback if they get B minus quarterback play I just I can see the story so clearly for KJ Hamler yeah I think he he needs like a specific I think it's more narrow for him to get to his fantasy ceiling just because yeah. I don't think there's really ever a path for him to be even the wide receiver two on his roster uh, not just this Denver roster. I mean, in totality, like a player like him to be even the wide receiver two on his team has to, a lot of things have to go to funnel that got that many targets to a player of that archetype and his size. Uh, yeah. And we have a few of those guys in this draft class. That'll be interesting just to see how it plays out. I mean, Rondell Moore, two, two, two at definitely, well. definitely a Rorschach test. Uh, Cause the dude is talented. Like he is sensational. I, I think um, I'm out at sticker price on him. I think so too. Sticker price is the key uh, statement there. Uh, but there's definitely, you say, I just think it's more narrow uh, for him to hit his ceiling. When we talk about players like that, uh, uh, where there's just more outs the other way around for some of these guys. Um, I think that's the case with Devontae Smith too, but I think that he definitely is a lot safer of a pick. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you want like a slot guy that I think is safe that has a ceiling, like Elijah Moore stands out big time uh, in that regard. Um it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, uh, there's a lot of guys too. Like my model doesn't like that. I know I'll be higher on just by default, like Jalen Waddle. Love uh, you know, Jalen Waddle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, the dude is, he's really good too. And I felt this way about rugs too. And rugs got kind of a bad rap and I hate the way he was used as a rookie and maybe he'll never get out of it. I mean, the Raiders didn't have a plan with, with Henry Ruggs. No, they, they really like, didn't. Absolutely none. Um, he wasn't a guy that was just a vertical guy at Alabama. In fact, that was Devontae Smith was their vertical guy the year before. Yep. Uh, and they didn't use him. It was all like deep ends, get him the ball, like in motion on slants, digs, stuff like that. And the Raiders didn't use him like that in any capacity. We can't really have any faith that the Raiders will use him in that capacity. Uh, Waddle's a kind of one of those guys too. He's not a guy that is just a vertical guy. He kind of can do it all, but he's going to get probably not knocked as one of these like speed guys. Uh, so I'm curious yeah. to see like if, cause if, 
we talk about it just a little bit just with Najee, just like NFL coaches do this stuff, man. It's it's tried and true. Like they archetype dudes based on their size and their pro physical profile instead of what they actually do on the football field, which sounds crazy to me because we're just people talking on this podcast and those are guys making millions of dollars to assess the situation. And people always say, well, you don't know more of the coach. I don't, but I know this much and I'm watching them make the same mistakes over and over. We've seen it. You guys have all seen it too uh, with this type of shit. So uh, that's the stuff we're at the mercy of, you know, in, yeah. in, this term, in prospecting. Yeah. It's just like, uh, it'll always be, it'll always be relative to what the NFL coaches want to do. And the NFL coaches don't always make optimal decisions in terms of deploying their personnel even if even if they like they think they are right like they think they're making the optimal choices but yeah it's just uh overall it's 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 just one of those things that's so frustrating and and some hypotheses never get to get tested right because we 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 have these guys that we love based on their college production and their uh their combine stuff and then they never get to play right that that's pretty common the the jeff janis story right where we're like this and this dude's andy isabella we'll never know about andy isabella i don't think is tyler is tyler johnson gonna be the new janis where like he just makes like a play every time he gets opportunity and just never gets a real shot um i think he is gonna get a real shot i think they're gonna i think they're gonna play him next year would they have to lose godwin well, I think they will. I don't think they want to. Okay. I think, I think that um, based on what I expect to happen from that team, I think they're going to keep Antonio Brown and not want to pay Godwin. I think that's what they're going to do. I mean, that would be a mistake, but uh, you know, who knows? I think that the the Bucks are going to supremely just try to run this back as is, and they'll franchise Godwin at minimum. Uh, I think that just they'll try to use this as this is our team. We're going to try to keep it together as long as possible for a year or two and just try to make this like one to two year run uh, until Brady decides he doesn't want to do it. I can see them really trying to just run this back as is um, and him never really getting a shot. But, uh, you know, it is frustrating. You see, because we even talk about the the Cohen and Montgomery kind of thing. Like what did the Bears lose with Cohen going out in terms of having David Montgomery run those routes? Nothing Nothing. changed. They didn't lose anything. But a coach is going to look at a guy like Tariq Cohen and be like, uh, look at his, I mean, because look at the production. Tariq Cohen's had a receiver. One, he's had one good year, first of all. He's only had one good year in his career. And the rest have all looked kind of similar. Uh, but David Montgomery gave them exactly what they were getting. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. that's the stuff that's frustrating. <laughs> I mean, that's the stuff that's frustrating because they're going to, they look at it the opposite way and say, we've got this explosive guy that's better in the passing game. We've got to get him into this, that, these situations. And uh, they were getting the same production. From yeah. the, the guy, from the other guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Anyone else? Anyone else that you think is uh, is interesting? Uh, I mean, no. We're just scratching the surface. So there's a lot of these guys I still have to kind of dig into. I think that. Uh, oh yeah. What are you on? Are you on this Kadarius Tony like hype train? Um. No, because he seems to. Well, I guess it'll depend on what like his his combine and everything comes in at. But my guess is that he is a guy who's going to be boosted up by playing in a system where one, he didn't have to be the number one guy because they had, um, they, uh, they had uh, Kyle Pitts who, who was like, that was who the defense was worried about. And Kyle Trask is going to get drafted in the first round also. Um, and I think that matters. So I, I will probably not be getting like, cause for example, I think that you will, you'll be able to take um, Elijah Moore, over mm-hmm. him and i would prefer elijah Moore. i think 
Yeah, I mean, I keep seeing Tony mocked in the first round, and uh, I'm wondering what the hell everyone is, is seeing. But uh, even from when I watch him a little bit, I don't really see a first-round guy. Uh, he's more of like a project guy to me, and he's a, and he's an older prospect, uh, no real breakout, uh, but is a guy that does everything. And those are the types that like typically get inflated. His archetype, the guy that has the rushing production, has the return uh, profile, and ha- and can be used as receiver. And those are the guys that typically I feel like that's like a trap a trap archetype, like, like the, right. the non productive do it all guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're 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 a hundred percent right. Um, all right, let's see here. Anything else from the okay. Jacksonville wide receivers with Trevor Lawrence, where, what, what order would you want to take shark and Chenault? And do you think they, do you think they sign one of these free agent wide receivers? You know, that seems like a potential destination for Smith. Where are they both going right now? What are they? Can I ask? Chenault goes late. He goes wide receiver 42 shark goes wide receiver 28. So there's a, there's a huge spread between the two of those guys. Cause I like both. I think both those prices are fair. I mean, I would say just based on just, you know, where Chanel's priced, I would, if, if it was something that would hold, I'd have a lot more Chanel teams than I would shark teams. But I mean, I'd be in on both guys. Uh, you know, I'm, I don't even think they're going to be as run heavy as people think that they are just because it's the typical uh, coach, the, the coach narrative uh, where the, t- the talent is clearly in the passing game. I think so if they take Lawrence and they have shark and they have Chanel, and we'll have to see what the rest of the roster shakes out as, but the best of their roster is the passing game, the passing game. Yeah. But people are going to say, you know, uh, based on, you know, the OC hire and the head coach hire that they're just going to run around the football and they're going to do RPO stuff like, but coach, like they can, it could easily be an adapt adaptment moment where they actually coach their best players. Uh, so, I mean, I'm definitely not going to be going all in and using, you know, herb, uh, and uh, the, the staff there is just saying, well, that's the reason why I have to defend James Robinson because of this or whatever. So even if they take a running back high, I still think that their best players on their roster as it's constructed right now are through the passing game. That's me counting them just using the one pick on Lawrence too, that the passing game is going to be the strength of their offense. Uh, and that's what I will bet on. I will always bet on where the best players are first instead of riding any coach narrative as the start, my starting block. I will not do that. Do you do you buy the narrative for Chenault that um, there was always a Chenault player at Ohio State? There was always a gadget combo running back wide receiver who got carries and targets. Uh, you know Curtis Samuel, and there were there were guys before him and guys after him as well. But that that yeah, specific stuff. Yeah, exactly. Literally, exactly. I mean, the 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 bull case for Chenault has always been Percy Harvin without getting hurt. Yeah, he's always had that running back background. I mean, uh, you know, in fact, going back to college, he had seven rushing touchdowns and 10 receiving touchdowns, almost the same thing. And that, but that's the one thing that does worry me about Chenault though, that that was sticky as a rookie uh, is that he might not just ever be a great touchdown scorer. Um, Yes. Yeah. I think that that is something that does stand out a little bit that whereas like a guy like shark, you can definitely know, you know, that like it's potential to run into like a 1200 yard receiving season, out of shark. And it's also potential to run into a double digit touchdown ceiling out of shark in like as a range of outcomes where I think Chanel could maybe have a high touchdown ceiling, but it's not going to be something that is bankable year to year. It's he's going to have a spike year and then probably be like a five to seven touchdown guy most of his career. Uh, right. And then, you know, that, that's the type of player he is. But I mean, if he's going in the, like that, that same area of Debo, same, similar type of player, we've, we've been, we've comped Debo a few times the way he's used. Uh, 
I have no problem like taking his wide receiver four or five at all. Uh, I mean, do I buy that he'll be used that way? I think he'll be used that way, not because just herbs had that kind of player. It's just because that's what he is. That's what, that's what he is. is. Yeah. That's, that's what, what he's is. best at. It's, it's right. them using the player. Now the difference would be like, if, if like you, the difference you could ride that narrative is if, if herb got there and tried to turn like Keelan Cole into that guy. Yeah. That's how yeah. you would ride the narrative, but we already know Chenault is that guy already. Like that's the type of prospect he was. Uh, so, I mean, it's definitely a pro for him, I think, that just, you know, it's a familiarity. But the, whatever coach they were going to have was going to use him that way, I think, because that's just who he is. Yeah. Um, all right, man. I think that's, uh, that's a good convo. What do, we, what do we have to look forward to this offseason over on sharpfootball.com? I mean, the Super Bowl stuff, we've been producing Super Bowl content, and that will ride throughout all of next week. That's all free, That I'm, all the stuff I'm doing. Uh, Warren will have his, you know, pamp book book out his little Super Bowl pamphlet, and then all my offseason stuff is going to be free. They're also we're going to be transitioning the Sharp Football Stats site over to Sharp Football Analysis this offseason. So if you're someone that goes over there and looks at like, you know, the run pass ratio, uh, situational stuff like that, or the personnel usage, like all that stuff will be moving throughout the course of the offseason. So if you ever do go to Sharp Football Stats and one day it's magically gone, that's where it's moved to. Um, but other than that, man, keep buying, you know, dinosaur bones, uh, digital moments uh, in AMC stock. And uh, don't enjoying, to, you don't have to tell life. me twice, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> you don't have to tell me twice. Um, yeah. All right, everyone. Follow Rich on Twitter. Check out all the stuff they have going on over at Sharp Football. And we will be back next week with some Super Bowl takes. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.